I love that hymn. Isn't that gorgeous? I don't think I'd heard that one before. That's great. I don't know if I can compete with it, but we'll try. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We focus today on the second habit, a part of our being challenged to be like Jesus, to be more of the children of God. Our second habit today is to study the scriptures. So last week, I took out my book, my Being Challenged book, and I sat down and I began to read that portion of the book on studying the scriptures. And lo and behold, those pages were missing from my book. I don't know where they were, but I panicked and I called Joan and I said, Joan, I don't have that chapter in my book. And she said, yeah, we found out that some of the books were missing those pages. Fortunately, we got another book. I was telling my wife about it, and she said, well, that's the best introduction you could have to your sermon. (laughs) Because how in the world could you talk about studying the scriptures if you didn't have the material that's in the book? And that's the point of the sermon. How in the world can we know about God, and how in the world can we know about God's love for us in Jesus Christ if we don't have the book? if we don't read the book, if we don't study the scriptures. And so it is that we focus our attention this morning on the great gift that God has given to us. After the gift of his Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in death and resurrection, the gift that God gives to us is the story. The story of God's love for his people, as we find it in the scriptures. Notice, in our, in our epistle lesson for, day, for today, Paul is writing to young Timothy, a young pastor. And Paul, in, in the beginning of, of 2 Timothy chapter 3, the words we didn't hear, Paul says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, inappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sound familiar? doesn't sound all that different than what we see in the world around us today. But then Paul goes on and says, after describing the situation in which Timothy is doing his ministry, Paul says, as we heard in the epistle, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and suffering. Timothy said, or Paul says to Timothy, that's the world in which you live, and that's the th- those are the things that you're seeing around you, but Timothy, I am proud of you. 
because you are following the things that I've taught you. A little bit later on in that same epistle lesson, Paul goes on to say, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Timothy wasn't introduced to the scriptures by Paul. Timothy was introduced to the scriptures by his mother and his grandmother. Timothy was a young man of faith because he had a mother and a grandmother who taught him the ways of God, taught him the love of God from the very beginning, from childhood. When we witness a baptism here in church, as we did last Sunday, we hear the responsibility that is given to parents and to godparents that says, now it is your responsibility to make sure that this child grows up in the ways of God, understands the scriptures, learns the commandments, learns the love that God has for him or her. Well, Timothy grew up in that kind of a home where he was taught the ways of God. The beauty of the Bible, the beauty of the scriptures, as Paul emphasizes, is that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-inspired. When we read the scriptures, we are not simply reading the words of men written in history, but we are reading the words of men who have been led and directed and inspired by God himself. It is not just human words. It is God's words. Think about it. 66 books of the Bible. 39 in the Old Testament. 27 in the New Testament. Written over hundreds of years by people of faith, men of faith, who were led and directed by God to put it down, to put it in writing. One of the things we learn from history is that after Jesus had ascended back into heaven, the disciples were so excited about taking the word of God out and telling people the story that they just went about preaching and teaching. But God led them to sit down and not just preach and teach, but to put it in writing so that you and I would have those words, so that you and I would have those stories. The story of God's relationship with his people from the very beginning of the world, from creation to the very end in the book of Revelation. In Scripture, we witness the power of God demonstrating his love for people who weren't always very loving. Demonstrating his love for people who at times were rebellious. Demonstrating his love and his patience with people even when they rebelled and turned against him. As the prophets of the Old Testament kept calling the people back to faith. And they did. One of the classic stories after the resurrection of Jesus 
is in Luke chapter 24. Remember the story? In Luke chapter 24, it's after Jesus had risen from the dead and he, was, he greeted disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him. And as they walked and they talked and they were bemoaning the fact that Jesus had died on the cross and they, they didn't know what had happened to him. And then it says, as Jesus is walking with them on the road, Jesus began. He said, Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, Jesus himself, as he taught. Referred back, just think about it. These guys are, are in grief. They're, they're worried. They're concerned. They don't know whether to believe that Jesus is really alive again. And so Jesus says, guys, let me tell you. Let me tell you what God's done and why all of this had to happen. And so beginning with Moses and the prophets, he takes them through the Old Testament and finally brings them to what had to happen to Christ. And then later, as he's breaking bread with them, they recognize him. Jesus, who often in his own teaching would quote from the scriptures, from the Old Testament. Peter, in writing his letter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. John, in 1 John, says the same thing. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That as the apostles took that word of God and took their experiences out into the world, they emphasized to people after the resurrection of Jesus that we saw, we are witnesses, we have heard his teaching, we have seen him, and we're telling you what we know. Remember when Jesus is performing miracles early in his teaching. He would perform a miracle. He would raise somebody from the dead. He would heal the sick. And he would say to his disciples, now don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what you've seen. And of course, they couldn't do it. They, they had seen miracles. But Jesus would often say to the disciples, as they witness these things, don't tell him. On the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus is up on the mountain of transfiguration and, and the disciples see Jesus in all his glory and he says, now don't tell anybody. Why? Because they couldn't understand Jesus until they had seen the resurrection. They couldn't understand the full story of God's love lived out in Christ until they had been to the cross and the empty tomb because you can't know the whole story if you don't know that the whole story focuses on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And over and over again in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, as they would talk about the life of Christ, it always ended in 
resurrection. We're told that we are what we eat. We're told that if we eat too many calories and don't exercise, we're going to gain weight. We're told that if we don't eat properly, it's going to affect our bodies. We are what we eat. And so, too, we are who we are with God because of what we take in, because of what we read, because of what we study, because of what we learn. We are what we eat. Remember a few years ago, you don't see it too often anymore, but for a few years ago, the saying was, all, was going around. We wore bracelets and everything else that said, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, you can't know what Jesus did or what would Jesus do if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know his word, if you don't know what he says. But the scriptures are the word of God coming to us. Given originally... The Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek, and then later on the Old Testament is translated into Greek, and after that, at the time of Luther, the scriptures were available in Hebrew and in Greek and Latin. And one of Luther's passions was that people couldn't read the Bible, only priests and theologians could read the Bible because they were the only ones who read Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And so the people had to rely on whatever the theologians told them. And Luther said, they don't always tell you the right thing. They don't always tell you the correct scripture. And so it was the passion of Luther Reformation begins in 1517 when he posts his 95 theses on the church door in Wittenberg. And in the years after that, in the early part of the 16th century, Luther translates the Hebrew and the Greek and the Latin into German so that the German people could read the Bible for themselves. And at the same time in history, the Gutenberg Press is, being, is created so that the Bible can actually be reproduced in German for the people to read. Well, thank God, that's not the only translation. In the 17th century, in the early 1600s, we get the first real English translation of the Bible in the King James Bible, the Bible that many of us here began learning in. 16th century, the Bible is translated into English so that we can read it for ourselves. And of course, now today, it's in many different translations, and we have many different translations in our home. But the point is, we can read it, and we can understand it. It is the story of God's love poured out for us in Jesus Christ. A few years ago, I was traveling in China with a couple of our Chinese pastors. We were visiting schools, and we happened to visit an English language school. It was a school where young men and women in China who wanted to come to America to study at universities 
would go to, to develop their English skills so that they could read and study in American universities. We were in this one English language school and a young man, tall, handsome young man, 18 years old, knowing that we were pastors, came up to us and said, I want to be baptized. Kind of taken back a little bit, a young 18-year-old man in China asking to be baptized. And I said, well, why do you want to be baptized? Kind of a dumb question, but why do you want to be baptized? He said, because I know Jesus, and he wants me to be baptized. And I said, well, have you been to church? No. Well, how do you know about Jesus? And why do you want to be baptized? He said, when the missionaries had to leave China because of communism and all the missionaries were forced out of China. An American missionary gave my grandmother a children's Bible. Remember those children's Bibles, those picture Bibles? Gave my grandmother a children's Bible. And my grandmother would read to me from that Bible. And I came to love Jesus because his grandmother read the word to him. What a joyful day it was when we gathered with his family and a few friends and baptized that young man before he came to the United States to go to university. Martin Luther says the Bible is the cradle in which the Christ lies. That all of Scripture focuses upon the Christ, pointing to his coming, telling us about him after, he, after his resurrection. We hear it, for example, in Acts, in Acts chapter 1. So one of the men who were accompanying us during the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, this is the disciples choosing a successor to Judas. Remember that Judas had hung himself after betraying Jesus, and the disciples had to find somebody to take his place. And so this is the criteria that they looked for in the man to take Judas's place. So one of the men who accompanied us during the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. It was all about finding people who knew Jesus, who could tell people about Jesus, witnesses of the resurrection. And I, I love the end of that gospel reading for today, there in John chapter 20. Did you hear those words at the end of the Thomas story? It says, so now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. There's a lot of things about Jesus I'd like to know. 
There's a lot of things about Jesus we ask questions because the Bible doesn't tell us. And John is saying, you don't need to know all those things. You need to know these things that are written so that you might believe. A, lit, a chapter later, at the end of chapter 21, John says this. Now there were many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so our being challenged is being challenged to read the Scriptures. Don't just hear the Scripture on Sunday morning. Don't just hear it when you hear it from the lectern or the pulpit, but to be reading the Scriptures. To understand there is so much there. There is so much there that we will never know. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. To be more like Jesus is to know Jesus better. To know God and his love for us is to know God better. And how do we do that? It's here in the book as we read the scriptures together. God bless your reading this week. If you don't know where to start, just start. I tell people, if you don't know where to start, well, start with the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest. <laughs> reading the Scriptures. Being like Christ. Amen.